near Kherson, the destruction of Russian bombardments. Ukrainian prosecutors, though, are looking for deeper wounds, those hidden beneath the surface and left to fester in the wake of eight months of Russia's occupation. I'm the deputy prosecutor and I'm applying the pre-trial procedure in the penal codes relative to crimes linked to sexual violence. We've chosen not to show the faces of those testifying. Serhii is a lawyer, detained by the Kremlin's forces in the street on September the 7th while exchanging hard currency. He tells us of his ordeal in Russian custody. For about 20 minutes they tasered me and beat me with batons on my back, buttocks and legs. I fell down and they shouted, get up, insulting me, saying, so, you're waiting for the Ukrainian army, are you? Then they tasered me. Serhii says he was detained for over a week in a cell of about six square meters with six to eight other prisoners and that the Russians tortured him for three days. I had a dynamo. They connected electrodes to me, attached them to my genitals, to the flesh and scrotum. And they started cranking to generate electricity. My hands were tied from behind with a plastic harness and they cranked. The faster they did, the more electricity it produced and the stronger the pain. If the torturers didn't beat him in the face, according to Serhii, it was only to prevent their leaving any visible scars. Every time the door opened, we'd have to get up and shout, glory to Russia, glory to Putin, glory to Shoigu. But you're always thinking about your family, about your wife, your child. You have to get through it. You have to survive. That's what helped me stay strong. Upon his release, said he changed his address and phone number and lived in paranoia for months, before finally speaking to Ukrainian police after the Russians pulled out in November. The prosecutors are careful to underline that sexual violence doesn't just cover rape or forced nudity, and it's not just women either. Parts of our territory has been occupied since 2014. And associated acts of torture, in particular to male genitals, have been seen at almost every detention site in occupied Donbass. In Hirson, there are fairly frequent cases where electricity is used on male genitals. This partly fits in our issue because often, when this torture is carried out, phrases are heard like, so you can never have kids again. Since February 2022, Andrei Hulkevich's department has opened 156 cases of sex crimes, 38 of them concerning men. For Andrei, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We still don't have access to certain places where people are illegally detained or they've been destroyed. That basically blocks our access to a large part of the evidence. Every person has their own perception of reality. Since these cases happen in an excessively stressful situation, there's a war on, this is one factor, and another is that it could be at night in another room. Or the person may not accurately remember the facial features of his aggressor. Investigators also count greatly on witnesses to these crimes whose memories are often more detailed.
That's the case with this fighter detained in the summer of 2022 for 37 days. I had cellmates. The soldiers took them out into the corridor. They put a condom on the end of a police baton and raped them with it, saying you'll be next if you don't tell us where the weapons warehouses are, where to find your brothers, the resistance fighters and sabotage groups. We were forced to watch it. My cellmate was raped for two days. Then they gave him the condom they used to rape him with. And when they came into our cell, he had to take it out of his pocket and chew it in front of them. Such information is often corroborated by videos the aggressors themselves shoot and send to their friends or families, or by lapses in attention. Sometimes we'd see their faces without balaclavas. For three days they'd take you into the basement at night. They'd torture us all. The screams made it impossible to sleep. Some witnesses even end up admitting that they themselves were the victims of the violence they've described. Prosecutors have to guide victims like Ivan and Serhii down a long and psychologically difficult path in their attempt to build ironclad cases against Russian forces. Overseeing it all, Irina Didienko, who became Ukraine's top prosecutor over conflict-related sexual violence last year. She stresses that her team's work is held to the highest standards. We differ from the Russian Federation in that we are ready to investigate any crime. Nevertheless, it is necessary to distinguish between a war crime and a crime of a general nature. I was at the International Criminal Court, I was in The Hague, and I conducted consultations on how to structure the investigation so that it was properly recorded for international institutions. What's our task? To make our investigations transparent and to show that we are a legal state. All of Ukraine is working to bring Putin to justice, because we know who's responsible for this. The hope for Didienko is not just that these efforts will bring war crimes to the world's attention, but that those accused will face justice in Ukraine or elsewhere.